Okay, here we are in another MEPcast. This time I have the honor and the pleasure of speaking today with the Ambassador of Israel to the European Union, Ambassador Aaron Leshno Yar. How are you, Ambassador? I'm okay, Michelle. How are you? Hello from Athens in lockdown. We are we end of week five in lockdown, right after Orthodox Easter with churches closed and nobody able to go to their homes and villages and be in family surroundings. A very trying time for everybody here in Greece, just like all over the world. Uh, but fortunately, thanks to the um, thanks to our prime minister who was made decisions very early on and thanks to the Greek people who have actually been very, very good in observing the measures and in staying at home. Uh, we are in a pretty good shape, actually, Ambassador. We have, uh, we have much, much less. I mean, yes, we've lost 113 people so far, but um, at least we're not in the horrible situation, tragic situation facing countries like Italy, Spain, um, the United States. Um, in fact, and I'll just I'll just start with this. In fact, um, the Israeli historian and philosopher uh, I'm going to say this right, Yuval Noah Harari, the other day made a very nice comment about Greece. It's, he said that Greece is doing an amazing job in containing the epidemic, and our prime minister on Twitter thanked him for his kind words. So um, that's the situation in Greece. And I would like to um, talk to you about the situation in Israel, I guess because uh, I, I, it's inevitable we were going to talk about the response to the coronavirus. But I, I think inevitably, I would like a comment from you on the latest political developments in Israel, because just yesterday it was announced that there was a unity government, correct? I, I can hear you now. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't hear the, answer, the question, please. The question is, would you make a comment about the political developments in, in, in Israel? Because yesterday it was announced that there's a government, finally. So. so as a diplomat, the only comment that I can make is that after over 400 days of political deadlock and the free uh, election campaigns, finally, last night, uh, the leaders of the two major political parties, uh, Likud, the center-right Likud, and uh, the center-right Blue and White, reached a coalition agreement. And in a few days, uh, the government will be sworn in uh, in our parliament, and we'll have a, a government uh, uh, in, uh, in, in Israel. Uh, you can call it a national uh, emergency uh, government or national unity government. But uh, finally, uh, uh, we can uh, we be on track uh, politically. Do Do you think that the 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 pandemic played a role in this? In 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 was it a catalyst in some way of uh, this national unity or emergency government? And and give us give us a sense of uh, I mean we follow the statistics about what's going on in Israel, but Israel has a reputation for being extremely innovative in, in, in all respects, but uh, with respect to fighting the pandemic. So please, how has the pandemic affected not only the politics, but what's going on on the innovative front and how can that help the rest of the world? Sure, uh, let, let, me, let me start by saying that I'm also stuck here in Brussels uh, after the Jewish Passover. Uh, today we, uh, we commemorate in Israel uh, the Holocaust, it's Holocaust uh, Memorial Day in, in Israel. 
And next week, uh, it's uh, Israel's uh, Independence Day. And we gained independence three years after the end of uh, Second World World War and, and the Holocaust. So this is an important day for us in Israel and for Jews all over the world. As far as the pandemic is, uh, is concerned, if, if you look at the, at the numbers, uh, we are in a relatively good place, not as good as Greece, but in a good place. Uh, we have uh, about 14,000 uh, infected Israelis, uh, but uh, the number of uh, uh, dead Israelis are 180, uh, plus the number of those who are in uh, uh, intensive care units, uh, uh, it's only it's only 142. So the overall uh, figure is uh, is relatively uh, low. It could be better, but it's relatively relatively to other uh, European countries. It's uh, it's low and and reasonable. We are doing 10,000 checks per day, and oh, soon we'll, du we'll double it to 20,000 within a few days. Um, and and our scientists uh, are busy finding uh, ways to increase even more dramatically the number of uh, of tests now israel is in a in a in a unique situation when it comes to dealing with such a, a crisis uh, and i will i will i will give you several um, uh, facts that explains why israel is in a unique uh, situation first we have only one uh, entry port to the state of israel it's our international airport, Ben Gurion Airport, uh, because we cannot uh, 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 drive uh, to neighboring countries. There are no land crossings from Israel right. to uh, neighboring countries, uh, so there is only one uh, point of entry, which is which makes it easier for us to uh, control the uh, entry entry of foreigners uh, and, and returnees to uh, uh, to Israel. Secondly, the population in Israel is relatively young and very young in comparison to European countries. This is, we are the youngest country uh, in the European uh, 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 region. The third thing is that Israel, as Israelis, we are used to emergency situations. That's true. Normally it's, it's war-like situations, but uh, so, so the population is disciplined. We are used to uh, stay at home. We are used to have at home the water and food that we need for emergencies. So that's uh, an important element. We have an excellent national health uh, system, which is uh, all, almost all Israelis are insured. Uh, the doctors and the nurses are uh, well-trained. Our hospitals are excellent and, and community clinics are excellent. And, uh, and uh, that's, uh, uh, again, a factor that we have to take into account when we look at the numbers. Uh, and the uh, last uh, uh, is uh, Israeli scientific research uh, and uh, uh, Israeli technology and innovation, which helps the government to uh, complement things that we cannot get from other countries. We can develop them and produce them in Israel in a fairly short period of time. So now, for example, we can produce ventilation, the breathing right. machines in, uh, in Israel, uh, swabs, uh, the, the material that you need for the checkings uh, and so on and uh, so forth. So we're not on, all, uh, totally self-supplied, but uh, we can produce most of it in, in Israel. So this is the situation in, in Israel, and we are already in the phase of exit 
strategy that started uh, this week. Right. I, I saw an amazing, uh, I, I can't remember what network it was yesterday, but I saw an Israeli uh, a protest of some sort. I can't remember what it was. It was something related to politics. It doesn't matter. The important thing is it was, the, it was a protest with social distancing. So it was right. 2,000, I think, people, it said, that were actually standing at you know, approximately two meters apart in this protest. Really remarkable, um, remarkably inspiring, um, and maybe indicative of what the new normal is, because uh, you know, this is life from now on for a certain period of time, at least, is going to be even whatever exit strategy there is, it's going to involve social distancing and a new type of behavior, I think, from all of us. We're all starting to come to terms with with that. Now, what do you think, Ambassador, the, we've, we've, we've had the chance to work together um, as I'm on a number of uh, committees in the parliament that have to do with Israeli relations. I've been to Israel recently. Uh, and so we've had this discussion before. What do you think that the, the post-pandemic world has in store for EU-Israeli relationship? Does, it, does do things change or, or is it the, everything we've been talking about before? Are they the same issues or do we have new issues? Well, I think that uh, European priorities will be different and also Israeli priorities. Uh, major issues that were prominent and, and, and highly important uh, before the pandemic will become a little less important uh, in the post-pandemic uh, uh, era. Also, I believe that uh, Israeli know-how, experience and technology will become more attractive for the European uh, market. Uh, um, um, so, and I think that uh, uh, we'll have to think about uh, uh, the long and medium term impl implications of the, the pandemic on all spheres of uh, life, from, from politics to economy, uh, to social life and to democracy. So I think that um, uh, uh, there is a lot that Israel and, and, and Europe can, uh, can do uh, together. And frankly, we are already doing that. Uh, there are daily uh, discussions between uh, Israelis and Europeans, uh, mostly on uh, health issues and the scientific issues, uh, but uh, more and more also we are sharing information about exit uh, uh, strategy, uh, uh, and other uh, uh, issues. There is, for example, uh, uh, a subject which is of concern to Israelis and Europeans alike, which is uh, the question of terror in the post-pandemic uh, uh, era. What mm -hmm. will be the new uh, aspects of, uh, of terrorism sure. and how to combat uh, that? And I think that here, Israel and Europe can do a lot together. Another extremely important issue is the cyber uh, 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 subject. Israel is very good at cyber innovation and cyber yes. solutions. Cyber is a big issue here in, in, uh, in, uh, in Europe. Disinformation, uh, 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 fake news, hacking, uh, that's an issue which is uh, central to the discussions between Israel and, uh, and uh, Europe. So I think that, uh, <coughs> uh, uh, while it is perhaps a little too early to predict uh, what kind of world we will uh, uh, find when we get out of this pandemic, I can already see that there will be uh, many issues 
for Israeli-European cooperation? Well, already, already um, Israeli universities, uh, companies, researchers, innovators participate in, in a number of EU-funded projects. I know um, that from speaking to people in um, INFSO and R&D in the commission that they've been working very closely. As you know, now there is a movement to, uh, towards creating a, a European app for our smartphones that'll help us. Um, and I know there's also been discussions with Israeli companies on this and, and researchers. Um, so I share your sense that this will bring us closer together. I also, just to make my own comment, I think that the discussion that is now um, emerging in Europe with respect to the goal of strategic autonomy, because self-sufficiency is clearly, I think, in the modern world at the moment impossible with a, with a diversification of, of supply chains coming to the forefront of this concept of strategic autonomy. I think that we can learn a lot from, from what you said, from what Israel has done to achieve it in its own for its own reasons, of course, not related to the pandemic, but as you said, you've become much more adaptable to crisis situations. So um, perhaps it's our turn to learn that in Europe um, as well. So my, my last question would be, and, and I understand I'm talking to a diplomat and one who uses, uh, uses his words uh, as he should to honor his position, but um, clearly we're gonna be in a new, at least from my perspective, uh, in a new geopolitical reality, I think, um, after this. Uh, I mean, the United States has been affected by this. China has been affected by this. Already, I, as you know, I'm the vice chair of the International Trade Committee of Parliament. Already, there were trade wars going on. Europe was sort of in a, being sandwiched by this war between China and the United States. We're hearing from the United States some very, you know, elevated rhetoric about whether you know, China and the way it handled the pandemic, if it's telling the truth about its statistics. There's plenty of propaganda going around from China, from Russia, the diplomacy of giving, China going around giving masks um, and, you know, making noise about it. So uh, our president, as you know, has said this was going to be a geopolitical commission. I'm not sure she envisaged such tectonic changes in, in uh, geopolitical balances. Um, where do you see this? Could you, could you give us a sense from your, you've had longstanding experience from Singapore to the Middle East, to the United Nations, to Washington. Could you please give us, you know, your, as a, as a closing um, comment from you, could you please give us your view of where we will be um, and what Europe's, Europe's strategic placement should be in this? Well, first I will throw three keywords that uh, I think are important to keep in mind before I answer directly your question. So the first keyword is solidarity. We need more solidarity. The second keyword is togetherness. We have to do things uh, um, uh, uh, together. Um, and uh, and uh, the third, the third uh, word is preparedness. We have to prepare better for future crises of different kinds. Having said that, I think that uh, uh, um, 
several things come to mind when, you, when we look forward. First, we have to uh, work hard to protect our democracies and don't take them for granted because bad people will try to abuse, bad, bad people from the outside and perhaps also from the inside will like to abuse the um, atmosphere of crisis, uh, uh, of different agendas and priorities in order to uh, uh, shrink the space for uh, democracy. And I think that's very dangerous and we have together to work in order to prevent this from, uh, from happening. Second, uh, and it, it, uh, it, is, it is linked to, the, to my first point, <coughs> we have to, while we cherish, we admire, and we use new technologies, we have also to make sure that, again, bad people don't use new technologies in order to, quote unquote, quote, attack us in different ways. And here comes the whole world of disinformation, fake news, uh, uh, cyber hacking, uh, etc. Uh, that will be high on our agenda. The third thing is that we'll have to think uh, thoroughly about our priorities. And uh, things that will be pushed aside, unfortunately, like climate change, mm -hmm. we have to see how to continue to deal with them, keeping in mind that money will go to other priorities. Right. And the other priorities, for example, are how we strengthen the health system and the medical research. We have to pay attention to, uh, uh, to that. And uh, again, finally, what we need is more solidarity, including and especially transatlantic uh, solidarity. The US will continue to be a key player globally and especially for us in the, in the Western uh, uh, world. We need more early warning systems to alert us to future uh, pandemics and different uh, 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 um, uh, 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 such quote-unquote uh, enemies. We have to learn how to protect better the elderly because all over Europe and also in Israel, they are the most vulnerable uh, uh, um, uh, people in the, in the community and I'm not sure that we did enough to protect, uh, to protect them. And we have also uh, uh, to see how we can embrace, embrace vulnerable com communities in order to uh, protect them in times of uh, a crisis. These are just a few things which comes uh, uh, to mind when I look at uh, the pandemic in the last uh, few weeks, but also looking ahead. Well, let's hope, uh, let's hope that Europe will rise to the occasion. This is, this is my sense. I mean, a, 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 as someone who's not a career politician, <coughs> been involved in politics for 10 years, from what I, I, I hear from people, my constituents, and the sense I have from speaking to other colleagues in the European Parliament, Europe is really at a sort of an existential crossroads when it comes to its decision on how to deal with this crisis. And I think that its people are going to be very um, severe in judging Europe on whether it showed the required solidarity, togetherness, and whether it will mount a response that is sufficient to make people feel safe and that they're prepared, as you said correctly, to deal with future crises, whether it's regarding our health or our well-being. So with the hopes that um, this will be the response from Europe and with my heartfelt and sincere thanks for you dedicating time to this discussion, um, I will wish you and yours to be healthy, safe, and I look forward to our continued cooperation in the context of my role in the parliament and yours as ambassador of your country to the European Union. 
Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you, Anna Michelle. Thank you. And I say hello through you to all my friends in uh, Greece, where I spend every summer my summer vacations. Thank we, you very much. We look forward to having you again, Ambassador. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.